Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Tonight, have a seat and go with me to John chapter number 21, the Gospel of John chapter number 21. Last year, I did a message called Following Jesus. And uh, I had mentioned that on a Wednesday night when I preach, I am going to uh, bring a part two and then eventually a part three of this message. Well, then Christmas hit and I hit a Wednesday night and I said, there ain't no way I cannot preach a Christmas message, you know? And so I preached Christmas on that, that Wednesday night. And so now here we are coming back. And this is actually following Jesus part number two tonight. Don't worry, some of you guys do not remember the message. Some of you guys saying that's last year, pastor, I have forgotten those things which are behind and I'm pressing on towards those things which are ahead. Some of you guys are so spiritual, you just broke out scripture in your mind about that one. and. Uh, so anyways, don't worry. I'm going to review. Uh, we're going to talk about what's going on and catch everybody up right where we're at tonight. And tonight's message will stand on its own today. John chapter number 21, Jesus has gone to the cross in this part of the story. He is raised from the dead. In fact, he's already showed up behind closed doors where the disciples were gathered for fear of the Jews two times. First time he showed up, he, he, he was revealing to the, the guys that were there who he is. He breathes on them, says, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. Second time he shows up, has a special visitation for one of the guys named Thomas. He's got a bad rap. He's called Doubting Thomas. But you know what? I, I can't get too down on him because there have been times where I've struggled with doubt. And, and I've wanted to see things from God. And yet God has been so gracious and so merciful that he's given me, much like Thomas, a visitation where he's talked to me and settled me down and showed me more of who he is. And Thomas saw the nail prints in his hands. He was able to, I believe, reach his hand into his side. And, and he fell down before him and said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, blessed are those who do not see and yet still believe. Now, Jesus had given instructions and he said, I'm going before you into the region of Galilee in another one of the gospels. And so we find the disciples in John chapter number 21 have traveled and they've gone to a place called the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee. Okay, this is their old stomping grounds. They're there waiting for Jesus to show up. And wouldn't you know it, fishermen sitting by the side of a lake, Peter finally says something that everybody's thinking because Peter's just the loudmouth of the group. He says, I'm going fishing. Everybody says, we're going with you, man. We were just waiting for somebody to say it. And Peter, that's why we like you, man. You just say what you think. And now we get to join along with you. So they all go out all night and they toil all night fishing. Now these, these guys, they're probably thinking, well, we're a little rusty. You know, we haven't done this in three years. It's been a while. But man, they would have thought maybe a couple fish, maybe a couple dozen fish, but they catch nothing all night long. And in the morning, Day's getting ready to break. There's a lone figure on the shore, and he says, my children, have you caught anything? And they say, no, nothing. And he says, why don't you cast your net on the right side of the boat? And they cast on the right side of the boat, and the Lord fills it with 153 large fish. It's an amazing thing that takes place. I believe that Peter looked at that and remembered the very first time that he encountered Jesus. When Jesus came and was teaching by the sea, and there were so many people that he jumped into Peter's boat and said, why don't you launch out a little bit and let me teach these guys? So Peter launched out, and Jesus taught the multitudes. And after a night of fishing and catching nothing, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, why don't you cast out your nets for a catch? Peter says, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing, yet at your word, I will cast out. And he casts out and there are so many fish that they, the, the nets start to break and the other disciples have to come and they have to help them. And Peter falls at Jesus' feet and he says, please, my Lord, 
depart from me for I'm a sinful man. Jesus commissions Peter at that moment and says, I will make you now a fisher of men. Think about that for a second. It's probably in this moment that here, he's just cast on the right side, and Peter cast on the right side, and now all of a sudden all these fish are coming up, that the boat is starting to sink, and he has this flashback in that moment, and he's right back there at the feet of Jesus, realizing how sinful he is and how holy God is. And, and, and he realizes that Jesus is the one that commissioned him to be a fisher of men. And now he recognizes it. And, and, and John cries out, it's the Lord. And so Peter just tosses his outer coat aside. He dives in the water, swims to the shore. And I can just picture him sopping wet, staring at Jesus. And in part number one of this message, following Jesus, we talked about the fact that if we're going to follow Jesus, number one, we have to recognize his person. We have to realize who he is. Because if you don't know who he is, you're not going to follow him very well. Because he'll be going right and you'll be going left because you didn't recognize who he was. His character, his nature, his attributes, how God wants us to live life. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to recognize his person. Also, though, we have to remember his power, just like Jesus with casting the net on the other side of the boat. Peter has that revelation. This is God. And I'm a sinful man. We have to recognize the person of who Jesus is, but also we have to recognize his power in our life. If we're going to follow him, then we need to realize that it's not in our strength. It's not in our ability. It's got to be in God's strength and in God's ability. And the final thing is this, is that we have to remain in our purpose. Remember that Jesus told Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And so to go back to the boats and the nets was getting off track And Jesus, through this story, as we'll see in part number three, gets Peter back on track with where he needs him to be. Now, John chapter number 21, verse number nine through verse number 14, it says this. John chapter 21, and starting in verse number nine, we're going to read down through verse number 14. It says, then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Verse number 10, Jesus said to them, bring some fish which you have just caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. The next verse comes along and it says in verse 13, then Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. Verse 14, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I think that there are some things that we can see from this part of the story that happen as we follow Jesus. As we follow Jesus, some things take place along the way and we need to recognize those things and we need to realize them so that as we're following Jesus, we don't get discouraged and we don't get distracted and stop following or, or maybe don't follow as closely as we really ought to. Because does anybody notice that people in church, in our society, kind of as a general rule, there's a lot of people exiting the church. Maybe when you started going to church, maybe when you started going to church here, there were certain people that you saw every week, and after a while, they kind of tapered off. People started to get distracted by things. Oh, I'm too busy at work, or, you know, I've got a family now, and I, I got to be home with the kids. I, I, it's important that we take care. I'm still going on Sundays, you know, but, but we got to drop the Wednesday nights. And then eventually the Sundays, well, we have sports, we have soccer, we've got baseball, we've got travel volleyball, we've got every excuse in the book to not continue to come to church. And for a lot of us, we can see that as well from the generations. It used to be that it was like, we're going to church, Right? 
Then it was kind of like, well, we might go to church. Then eventually the generation's like, well, we weren't raised in church. And there's a whole generation right now that is open to the gospel because they have no reference. They have no bias. They have no prejudice against things like liturgy or, or, or religion or any of that kind of stuff that a lot of people who were raised in a very strict, stringent, legalistic uh, type of religious atmosphere are opposed to. Now, they have no reference, so they say, hey, if that's how you connect with God, that's cool. Or if that's how you want to connect with God, that seems right to me, because they don't know anything. They have not been churched. They are an unchurched society. And so we need to understand what following Jesus looks like and what will happen along the way so that we don't eventually drift away. Are you guys listening tonight? First thing is this, is that as we follow, number one, he feeds. As we follow, he feeds. One of the craziest thoughts to me in the entirety of the scripture is right here in John chapter number 21. You wanna know what that thought is? One person does? All right, cool, I'll tell you after church, Mia. Thank you so much, girl. Anybody wanna know what that thought is, is to me? Okay, good, good, I'm just making sure the rest of y'all are still here. Here's the thought that just baffles me, it boggles my mind. The thought is this, that Jesus is on the shore cooking breakfast. Did you ever stop and think about that for a second? Jesus, this is the ancient of days, guys. This is the fourth man in the fire, but he's cooking with fire now. This is Jesus, the one whose birth was prophesied. People sought to find out about him, and yet here he is on the shore with a barbecue cooking some fish and some bread making breakfast. That's crazy, isn't it? Am I the only one that thinks that crazy? Anybody else? I just want to see some hands to know that I am not alone. Okay, good, good. I'm glad. Because to me, God's making you breakfast sounds a little strange, right? I should be making God some breakfast or, you know, something, something should be different here, you know? God doesn't make breakfast, does he? Well, right here in the scriptures, we find out that, yes, God indeed does make breakfast, and here are the disciples coming to Jesus, and Jesus is feeding them. Why would Jesus be making breakfast? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? What is Jesus saying? Because everything Jesus did while he was here on the earth was on purpose. He said, I must go through Samaria. Why? Because he had to go and meet up with a woman at the well that he was going to talk to about her life and read her mail, and she was going to be one of the very first evangelists to run into that area and tell everybody about Jesus. He had to go through there because he had a divine appointment. There was a meeting that was set. He set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. I will go to Jerusalem. I will suffer and I will die. He told the disciples at one point, let this sink down into your ears. I love that. You know, it's kind of like my mom used to say, let me, let, me, let me break this down for you and let it sink down into your thick skull, right? So here's Jesus cooking. Obviously, he said, I only do the will of my father. I only do the things which I see my father doing. God serves breakfast. The question for me is, why? Why would the God of the universe care about feeding, and especially feeding breakfast? My thoughts. He's saying that he will feed us. That in itself is something that we can see throughout the life of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus oftentimes was concerned about whether people were going to eat, right? 
Here's the disciples. Master, we're in a deserted place. Send the multitudes away because they're weary and they're tired and they need to go to the villages and that sort of thing. They have nothing to eat. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Jesus is concerned with the people that he's taught all day long and whether or not they get to eat. And they say, all the money that we have, we couldn't buy enough food for all these people and we would wipe out all of the food for lesses in the area if we even tried, Jesus. And so here Jesus says, well, what do you got, right? And all of a sudden with five loaves and two fish, five loaves and two fish, wait, what was Jesus feeding them breakfast with? Some bread and some fish. Isn't that interesting? What was Jesus' first miracle? He was at a wedding, turned water into wine, right? Jesus often talked about feeding people. He often talked about drinking. He often talked about refreshing. Remember what the conversation was with the woman at the well? Can you give me some water? Well, if you knew who it was, you'd ask him for water. And I would give you a drink that you would never thirst again, some living water. She says, give it to me, right? And she leaves, leaving her water pot. Jesus is concerned with our spiritual well-being. He wants to feed us. Uh, you know, he often gave people food. He often gave people drink. Uh, it was these miracles that happened. In fact, Jesus didn't just feed the multitudes once. He did it twice. There was the feeding of the 5,000, which we're all very familiar with, but there was also the feeding of the 4,000 that took place. One time after this, in John chapter number six, if you want to turn there with me, or in John tw chapter 21, just turn back to John chapter number six. Jesus, in John chapter number six, has a discourse with the Jews. He talks to them about food, specifically about bread. And as he's talking to them, he's telling them, you need to believe in me, basically. And they say, what sign are you going to give us that we should believe? Moses had a sign that we knew that he was the prophet, and that is that he gave the people bread from heaven. And Jesus has a response in John chapter number six, and in verse 27, take a look at it with me in John chapter number six and verse number 27. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Look at this, which the son of man will give you. Who's gonna give it to us? The son of man, who's the son of man? Jesus, Jesus right? Jesus is the one feeding the people, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. In this discourse, I would encourage you to read John chapter number six in its entirety. It's very long. But during this whole discourse with the Jews, he reveals to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. He has a part of me. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I'm going to feed you. I am that bread that's on the coals, right? He's saying them, as, you, as my body is broken for you, right? He broke the bread and gave thanks and distributed it to the people. In the same way, Jesus, if we're gonna follow Jesus, then Jesus says, you better be feeding off of me while following me. That means we can't be feeding on the things of this world. We can't be feeding on the ideas and the philosophies of man. Recently, I was in a meeting and somebody brought up a, a certain book by an author and I didn't think too much of it. One of our members heard about it, about the meeting because there was another pastor in the meeting and they were praying together and he mentioned it. And so they looked up the book. They found out that it was written by atheists. Now, nothing wrong with reading a book to, to help in a situation gain some insight and understanding. 
But our member came to me and says, Pastor, I know that you're not going to fall for reading a book and following what an atheist has to say. You're going to pray. You're going to find out what God has to say, and you're going to bring that wisdom to the table, not the wisdom of man. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with gleaning insight and wisdom from things. If you're in business and you're reading books on business by worldly people that are successful in business, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But what I do find is wrong if that's what you're feeding off of. Because did you know that there are greater business principles right here in this book than you will ever find out there in the world? And that most of the people who we would deem as the most successful men throughout history, look it up, okay? Throughout history, found most of their wisdom right here in these pages. And that's why they were successful. That's why they had integrity. That's why they were able to do business the way that they could do it, is because they had the wisdom of God in their lives. They were feeding on the word of God. Jesus is the word. We need to watch what we're feeding on. Are you feeding on the ideas and the philosophies that you're finding in the media? Are you feeding on marriage because you saw something on Netflix about marriage? Or are you feeding on what the word of God has to say about marriage? Are you feeding on what the state and the government has to say or the education system has to say about raising your children? Anybody notice that they really don't know what they're doing when it comes to raising our children? You gonna listen to what they have to say about that or are you gonna listen to what God has to say about that? Are you gonna listen to what the world and Hollywood and social media has to say about your image and your sexuality? Or are you gonna go to the pages of God's word which it says is a mirror and have a look at your image? If we're following Jesus, then we need to be feeding on Jesus. Now again, there's nothing wrong with watching a movie watching a television show, nothing wrong with reading a book, those sorts of things. I think all those things are wonderful, okay? And guys, I do all those things. I read books. I watch movies. I, I saw Star Wars. It was cool. You know, they wrapped it up. Good on you, right? All good. But here's the deal. That doesn't feed me. That may entertain me. It might break up an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, some of these movies, right? But what am I feeding on? Every morning, every afternoon, every night, every day, every moment that I have, what I eat and what I drink comes straight from Jesus Christ himself. And I have no problem telling you I'm radical about it. I'm so radical that at times people get offended or they don't wanna to talk to me about things. I get that. But here's the deal, I don't care. The reason why I am the way that I am is because I'm feeding on the scriptures and God is serving up the meals every day. Can I tell you something? God is still serving up the meals. Every day, God is still serving up the meals. If you feel spiritually hungry in this place, go to your father and ask him for fish. Go to your father and ask him for bread because he will not give you a serpent. He will not give you a stone. God will serve up the meal for you. Mike Keyes, who's gonna be with us this weekend, has uh, quoted this verse often with us, preached this message here, and he just texted it to me the other day. I thought it was great. Psalm 37, three, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, look at this, and feed on his faithfulness. God is faithful. God will take care of you. God will show up every time. God will be on the shore waiting for you with a warm bed of coals with some fish and bread on top of it. Feed on his faithfulness. You can count on God. You, you can set your watch by him. You can set your day by him. You can set your calendar by him. 
Come on, somebody. You can set your heart and your life by him. God is faithful, and we need to feed on his faithfulness each and every day. Can somebody say amen? Not only does he feed, but also, second thing is this, as we follow Jesus, he fuels. He feeds, and as we feed on him, as we follow Jesus, he fuels. I was watching a, a show one time, talking about watching shows, right? Watching a show one time, and, and these people were, were hiking up uh, one of the mountains in Washington State. And as they were going up, they hit this uh, plateau area where they were gonna take a little break, they took a little rest. So they all took their backpacks off and they all sat down around. And the guide that was leading these people up the mountain pulled out a bag of granola, you know, like some trail mix stuff. And he said, everybody, I want you to eat. Food is fuel. And so even if you're not hungry, eat right now. So they passed the bag around, everybody ate. And then they continued to climb up the mountain. I think the principle for all, us, all of us to know is this, is that food is fuel. If we're feeding on Jesus, he will fuel us. So even if you're not hungry, you better eat. Growing up, I remember I had some friends and uh, my friends, you know, they, they were Mexican. That means that they had a Mexican mama. All right. And, and so she adopted me into the family. The reason why I knew that was because when I came over, she called me mijo. All right. And so I didn't know what that meant first time, but I, I realized shortly thereafter when I heard her calling her son's mijo and her daughter's mija that I had now become one of her mijos, all right? So I was like, sweet, you know? Membership has its privileges. And so we'd go over to their house, and I remember one time I was at home and we ate dinner, and my buddy called me up and said, hey, wanna come over and hang out? I said, sure, man, I'll be right over. He just lived down the street around the corner, and so I went down there, and I walk in, and it smelled heavenly. Because some of you guys know Mexican mamas. They know how to cook. And the one thing that Mexican mamas specialize in is Mexican food, right? And so she was pulling out this big aluminum tray out of the oven full of cheese enchiladas. Come on, somebody say, amen, pastor. I saw the picture go up and I heard somebody just groan. I think there's a yearning of the spirit going on right now. And she put the tray down. Now, I had just eaten at home. I don't remember what we ate, but I remember I was full. And so she's, mijo, do you want some? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm good. I, I just ate mijo. Now, I knew by her voice that she was going to be disappointed if I didn't have and enchilada, so I, just, just one. I'll just, just do one. Okay, mijo. Three enchiladas on the plate, get set down in front of me, right? So I'm like, okay, so I start to eat. Now, I was raised that you eat all the food on the plate, right? That's rude if you leave food on the plate, especially when somebody has put their heart and soul into it is lovingly calling you mijo and, and puts three down when you ask for one, right? So, so I ate all three. I was done. I was toast. I was like, you know, by that last bite, it was almost like, you know, my hand is shaking. I'm sweating. You know, too much cheese. The, the oils are coming out of my forehead. So I pushed the plate back and I slumped down in the chair and she walks by. And she goes, oh, mijo, you liked it. Let me get you some more. I said, no, I'm good. I, I, I remember I had dinner already. I just had those, mijo. 
put down three more. My buddy finally leaned over laughing at me. He said, hey, bro, yeah, I, I know you don't know this, but in this house, if you leave some on the plate, that means you're done. You can't eat anymore. They'll get the point. And so I left like one and a half. You know what I'm saying? I, just, I didn't want, I didn't want to, you know, like make her feel bad. But at the same time, I knew like I got to do something here. So anyways, I left half. What's the point? The point is when you come into God's house, when you wake up in the morning, in the afternoon, as you're following Jesus, when you meet up with him, can I tell you something? There's no better way to break a fast because with Jesus, anything else, anything else that the world has to offer you, anything else that life has to offer you, any experience, any wisdom that this world has, any knowledge that's out there, it's going to be a fast compared to what Jesus has for you. But when you come into the presence of God, even if you don't feel hungry, you might as well sit down and have a plate because Jesus is going to fuel you with what he puts on the inside side of you. I'm going to rapid fire some verses that you're there in John chapter 6. Drop down to verse number 57 with me. John chapter number 6 and verse number 57. Jesus is still speaking. He says this, as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So he who feeds, everybody say feeds. He who feeds on me will live because of me. Notice what Jesus says, that if we're feeding on him, the very life on the inside of us will be coming from who he is. When you follow the world, it's going to be death that's produced on the inside of you. Because the Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you're going to follow Jesus, then you need to feed on him and allow his life to be the life on the inside of you. Allow his energy to be the thing that energizes you. Allow his strength to be the thing which strengthens you. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Notice we're not doing this in and of ourselves. It's God's will on the inside of us that he's working out. God, as you follow him, will produce in you even the desire to do the things that please him. That's an awesome thought, isn't it? That's where our discipleship really should be centered and focused. What is God directing you to do? What do you see in his word as you're feeding on him? What is he producing on the inside of you? Because if you can get a hold of what God wants for your life, God's will, also God's way, now all of a sudden you've got a combination for a great life. And you'll do those things that please God, but not only to will, not only to desire. A lot of people desire and they stop right there. But they don't realize that as you feed on Jesus, he will fuel you both to will, to desire, and to do his good pleasure. But you've got to follow him. Come on, somebody, you guys are, if you're getting this, give the Lord a praise. If, you, if you're starting to understand this, if you're realizing this. Because we run up against things like besetting sins. What is that? Things that we come up against over and over and over and over and over again. And we say, why don't I have any victory in this area? You want to know why? Because number one, probably we're feeding on the wrong things. And number two, because we have the desire but we don't think that we have the power to do. But when you're feeding on Jesus and you're following him, he will fuel you. The strength is not gonna come just from sheer willpower. I wish it did. But it comes from that desire, that godly desire that sees what God's word has to say. And as you feed on that, you say, I want that. 
I see I can have a good life. I see I can get free from this sin. I see that I can do it. I see that I can succeed. It's right there in the word. I'm feeding on it. And as you're feeding on it, you're desiring more of it. And you're saying, I want that. But then don't stop there at, I want that. Continue to say, okay, God, give me the grace to do this because God, as I'm feeding on you, you're gonna give me the ability to complete this thing on the inside of me. You're gonna see it to pass. It's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Ephesians 3.20, very familiar verse. Hopefully you have this memorized. If you do, read it with me. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works where? Where does it work? Where does it work? Remember, God is fueling you. That's on the inside of you. Stop looking to external things to fuel you. Another experience, another sexual encounter, another drug, uh, another paycheck. That is not your fuel. God on the inside of you is your fuel. So we got to follow him. As we follow, he feeds. As we follow, he fuels. Last one for tonight is this. As we follow, he finishes. As we follow, he finishes. You know, in this story, as it goes on, after these things take place, Jesus reinstated Peter in his calling. We're gonna discuss that in part number three. Jesus was there on purpose to do what? To finish the work of setting up his church. Jesus had to get the bones together. He had to get these guys in order. He had to get them back to purpose, right? Out of the fishing boats, fishing for fish, and into the church praying, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit so they could be fishers of men. And guess what? They caught a whole lot more fish when they were fishing for men than they did when they were fishing for fish. Jesus was there on purpose. This second miraculous catch of fish, I believe, is what brought the story of Peter meeting Jesus full circle, just like we talked about. It was Jesus' way of buttoning it up. He ties it all together in a beautiful and powerful finish. There's a great verse in Philippians chapter number one and verse number six. Philippians chapter number one. And verse number six, he says this, being confident, everybody say confident. Being confident of this very thing, that he, capital H, God, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful promise from the word of God? I can tell by your response, you don't really know what's going on yet. That's okay. Remember, we're learning this together. And that is, that what has God started in your life? What has God started to do? Don't give up on it. Keep following Jesus. Because he who began the good work is faithful to complete, feed on his faithfulness. He who began the good work is faithful to feed on his faithfulness. He who began the work, if God started something in you, can I tell you something? No devil in hell, no man on the earth, no one can stop the work of God because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to when? Till the day that Jesus Christ comes back. When he comes back, it's over. But until he comes back, it ain't over till it's over. God is the one who's writing this story. And God is writing a beautiful story that has not been finished yet until Jesus comes back and wraps this whole thing up. 
But until then, there's work for the church to do. Until then, God is still working on you. He's still working on me. We're getting better every day. We're looking more like our Father. We're feeding on Jesus. He's fueling our lives. We're looking more and more like him. We're following him better than ever before. And he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's a story of two missionaries, Robert and Mary Moffat, famous missionaries that went to a place. I got to read the name of the place that they went because I don't even know what it is. Buchanaland. They went to Buchanaland. Very famous people. Maybe you heard of the Moffat Bible translation. Uh, Godly people. And as they went to Buchanaland, they were there 10 years without a single convert to Christianity. Not one person prayed with them. Not one person joined their church. Not one person uh, came to their Bible studies. None of that. And after 10 years, the missionary organization that sent them started to be concerned that they were wasting their money sending these people to be missionaries because they had no results as of yet. And one of their friends back in England sent to them and said, hey, I'd love to send you a gift. Is there anything you guys need for the church? And in faith, Mary said, you know what? Why don't you send us a communion set? I'm sure we're gonna need that pretty soon. And so the friend packaged that up and they sent it. And wouldn't you know it, that at that time, they started to have people start coming. People started showing up for the Bible studies. People started praying to receive Jesus. And the very day that the communion set arrived, the next day, they were gonna have their very first communion service with their new church that had just been planted. Guys, the story is not over until God says it is over. You may not see the results right away. You may not be where you've wanted to be. There may be goals that were not met, expectations that, that you feel like maybe even God has failed you. Maybe you thought, no, that's over. The story's gone. It's dead. It's buried. It's in the grave. But can I tell you something? God specializes in raising dead things to life. Because if all we had of this scripture was just a couple of short phrases, number one, being confident, and number two, that he... Let me say that again. If all we had from the scripture, Philippians chapter one, verse number six, if all we had was being confident that he, that would be enough. Why do I say that? Because if all you've got is God, then you've got everything you need right there. We can be confident that he, that he is, that he will that he's powerful enough, that he's great enough, that he knows the story, he knows the path, he knows the plan, he knows how he's gonna do it, he knows when he's gonna do it, he knows who he's gonna do it with. God is God, being confident that he, that God is God and I'm just following him. I'm just putting my nose in his back, wherever he goes, I go. If the pillar of cloud goes by day, I'm walking. If it goes by night, I'm walking. Wherever God takes me, that's where I'm gonna go. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be dismayed. I don't have to worry. I can follow Jesus to the end of my life. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. He's good. He's awesome. He is wonderful. He is your provider. And if you will feed on him, let him fuel you, then God himself is faithful to complete the work that he started in you. Come on, give the Lord a praise tonight. Woo. I'll put a statement up on the overhead. I want you to read it with me. He feeds, he fuels, he finishes, we follow. Let's say that again. He feeds, he fuels, he finishes, we follow. One more time. 
He feeds, he fuels, he finishes, we follow. Come on, if you got something from the word of God tonight, give God a great big praise. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.